Hello, hello, hello! Welcome back to the Feel Good Factor. I'm Susmita Viganasaurus, and I'm so glad you could join me here today. Hi, everyone. I have a friend here, Jill Tomback from the United States. So Jill and I met exactly one year ago when I was on a retreat in Italy. It was a food heals retreat. I have spoken about it on the podcast before also. It was great. We had a lot of fun together. We were about eight women and we spent seven to eight days together. It was a lovely, lovely connection to make. A bit about Jill. She lives in LA and she is a teacher. She teaches second grade. And she has reversed breast cancer and for the past 10 years, she has been healthy. Jill is a wonderful soul, welcoming, warm, so nice to talk to and I'm so glad to have her energy around here. Hi, Jill. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Just, you know, bright and early here in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> so are you normally a morning person at all? I am not usually a morning person, but this past year, I switched it around a little bit and started to go to my exercise. I do Pilates and I used to go in the evening, but this year I started going the morning before work. So my clock kind of changed and my body wakes up around five in the morning now. And <laughs> lately I've been putting myself back to sleep because there is no Pilates studio to go to. But for the most part, I'd say I'm transitioning to become a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> body waking up at five, I can't even imagine for someone who's not a morning person. <laughs> yeah, it turns out I was more motivated to get up to go to my Pilates class than I was to go to work. So it made me get up better for work. Mm -hmm. And then I showed up in a better mood for the children instead of being cranky and still half asleep. So <laughs> I can imagine seven and eight year olds, I don't think they're very easy to they would be a nightmare to manage if you were cranky or if you didn't have your own energy with you, right? Oh, you yeah. have to be like fully on before you go and deal with them. Yes. Yeah, I can't believe it took me until my 15th year as a teacher to figure out that I should go get up early and do something to wake my body up before I start working with children. <laughs> I was always like, oh God, how are you kids so full of energy so early in the morning? But now I get it. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, friends who have kids and uh, this is what I hear during the lockdown that uh, most of people, everyone's at home and there are no schools and the parents are like, oh my God, why do these kids, as it is, they're stuck at home and they're like, we want to sleep in a little more. At least let's enjoy that because we're stuck in a lockdown and the kids are like, no, I'm up, get up, get up. <laughs> yeah, I can't even express how much appreciation I've gotten from my students' parents during this lockdown time. <laughs> like, they already, you know, were super kind to me and generous. And, you know, like, always for Teacher Appreciation Week, they gave us nice gifts and whatever. But since schools closed, these parents have been... I, I, every day I open my email and I have, like, a Starbucks gift card with a note that just says, like, I don't know how you do it. Or, like, just, like, little emails they write just saying, like, please help me. How do I do this at home? So it's kind of funny how the tables have turned because, you know, sometimes there are those parents who like to try to nitpick at the teacher or blame the school mm -hmm. for any issues their kids are having. And 
having the kids be stuck at home doing their schoolwork has been really eye-opening for a lot of parents. And <laughs> us teachers have loved that so much because we're like, now you see what we do. And you only have one, two, maybe three kids at home. We usually have like 25s at a time. So it's been hilarious. Oh, I can just imagine. I think generally, I know there is a lot of difficulty and people are struggling too through this whole uh, coronavirus time. But on the flip side, everybody's perspective is changing, you know, whether it is being alone and self-reflecting or being put in a place where you didn't expect to be and then seeing from the point of view of someone else. I think it's brought a lot of people closer together. And like you said, appreciating things more, feeling grateful. And it's cool that uh, you get all these emails and these uh, sweet messages and gifts every day because as a teacher, of course, you deserve it. You know? <laughs> so that is really nice. <laughs> yes, and it's nice to be so appreciated, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Do you teach online classes to the kids now? Yeah, so I had to figure out how to set up like an entire online classroom. And I will say... That from the first week we did it up until like the last week of school, it evolved a lot. Basically, our school district has so many different options, like so many different applications we can use for online teaching. And I work with a partner teacher in a dual language program. And so even though we both have our own classes of kids, we switch the kids back and forth throughout the day so that they can learn in English and in Spanish. So Basically, my partner teacher and I had to be on the same page and do everything exactly the same because the kids were going to flip-flop week to week with each of us. And it would be a lot for a seven or eight-year-old to figure out like multiple online platforms. So being the more tech-savvy one of the two of us between my partner and I, she left it up to me to set up the whole online classroom, <laughs> which is fine. I was happy to do it. It was kind of interesting. It, it took a little while, but we held Zoom meetings with the kids, which were always interesting because, you know... There was always that one kid, I won't mention her name, but <laughs> screaming in the background, yelling at her cat, grabbing her dog, calling for her mom. We're like, be quiet. No one else can hear. But she was the same way in the classroom. So it wasn't surprising. <laughs> she was the one we were always like, shh, shh stop talking. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we did some Zoom meetings and we just tried our best to post assignments that were interactive. And then the, the platform that we chose for our online classroom gave the kids the ability to do their work the old-fashioned way, pencil and paper, take a picture and upload it, or they could type it. Or my favorite part was they could record a video of themselves, or they could just record their voice. So no matter what skill level or no matter what degree of help they had from their family at home, they were able to like do their work and turn it in in some format. And it was so cute. And we were able to set up little like discussion boards where they could post little videos of themselves and everyone could see it so they could respond with little videos. So Aww. they got to still have conversations even when we weren't live on Zoom because you can only be live on Zoom with kids that age for like maximum one hour. They start to mm -hmm. lose it. They start to lose it after like 10 <laughs> minutes. So, you know, mm -hmm. but also a huge part of it was their parents. It was really funny. We'd be having a Zoom session and it was usually with the kids with their parents, especially in the beginning. And some of the kids wouldn't want to participate. They would just kind of sit there like a deer in headlights, scared out of their minds that they were on camera and their moms would start answering for them. And I'm like, listen, you're doing a great job helping, but like, this isn't your second grade class. Please stop. So, you know. <laughs> It was a nice, it was a cool experience. And actually, we just went in two days ago 
we were given like a full school day alone in our classrooms to prepare because, you know, I'm sure it's the same in India. It's uncertain what's going to happen when the next school year starts because it's Mm. in just two months. So we had to prepare for what it'll be like if we come back in person or what it will be like if we have to introduce ourselves to a brand new group of students online, which seems Mm. horrifying to me (laughs) to teach them anything (laughs) from scratch, but we'll see. Yeah, it's just going to be a new life, new way of living. And then people just get used to it. That's it. You know, that's the way it will work. In India, actually, the school year was supposed to start. It usually starts in June. So our summer is through April and May. March, all the exams are over and April and May, their holidays and June sometime in the beginning is when school starts. So, of course, schools haven't started. Apparently, so today I was talking to a friend who has a young kid, you know, that age group. Uh And uh, she was saying that the government here is like, uh, the older kids can have online classes. They're like, you shouldn't even do online classes for the younger kids because they're going to spend too much time on the computer and it's going to affect them. You know, we were laughing at that because as far as a parent is concerned, they'd rather the kid be studying and learning something, even if the class is for two hours, versus anyway, otherwise the kid's going to sit on the computer and do some other random stuff, right? So I know, I know there's all those studies about screen time and young children's brains and whatever, but honestly, it's either no school or some screen time at this point in most of the world. (laughs) My sister has a just turned two year old and she was really strict about letting anyone even have a TV on in a room where he was because she was like Mm. really bought into the whole brain development and screen time and blue light and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But now that he's two, she's like, whatever, turn the TV on, give him an iPad. (laughs) She's been quarantined with her stepdaughter and him, him being the two year old. And she's just like, Okay, put something on. Where's Thomas the Train? Where's Sesame Street? Like, get this kid entertained. (laughs) So I think there's a breaking point for every parent that are just like, please, anything to educate and entertain is what we need right now. (laughs) I have a couple of moms who do homeschooling for their children. Uh And uh, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my God, you know, this, this would be like any other day for them, you know, through the quarantine, have the kid at home. And the kids are smart and the way they do it is they don't do screen time all the time for the children. That's very, very limited. Mm -hmm. So the way they let the homeschooled kids learn is, of course, they do have some kind of a syllabus to study, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's not at all so much bookish as actually living life. Take them out to the garden and teach them from real life. That's the way I've seen a lot of the homeschool uh, parents deal with the kids. And the kids are so smart and creative and it's very interesting. So now I guess it's an opportunity for all the parents who send the kids to regular school to actually maybe reach out to homeschool kids' uh, parents and maybe learn from them on how to handle this. Or even teachers and schools can get inputs from them to see, okay, so this is the way you handle it. So let's see how we can combine that with our academical thing and make it work. You know, you never know what might come out of it. Yeah, no, it's so true what you're saying. I mean, I even have, you know, I've been teaching for, I just finished my 15th year. And like, I love what you just said about those parents that homeschool their kids and just teach them more through like life experience rather than studying books. Because even as a teacher of, you know, actual students that attend school, there's such a difference between the kids whose parents take them to do things versus the kids whose parents 
maybe don't. And some of it's not fair because a lot of families that, you know, the kids that don't get as many life experiences, it's because their parents are working extra hours or have two jobs or whatever. So I understand that. But mm-hmm. it's, it's sad to say, but there's a huge difference in the kids who have like, you know, the experiences, the kids who go visit community gardens or go to visit a museum or, or travel a little bit versus the ones who just go to school and then go home and sit and watch TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it's a good thing. And I think that whether parents are used to it or not, during this time, every family's had to get really creative with their kids. And so I'm hoping that whenever things return to a somewhat normal lifestyle, that, you know, the kids will return with a lot more life experience than they would have gotten if they were just coming to school and parking their butts in a classroom for six hours. So, yeah. I think there are certain other things which can also be, at least they won't rear the ugly heads right now. Things like the way the kids dress, being bullied by friends, peer pressure. These are all things that are just going to disappear if the kids are not going to school. They're going to be at home and maybe they may end up learning a lot more self-confidence and things like that. Mm -hmm. You never know when they go back in a different way. And even the kids who are bullying the other kids, maybe they will learn to be probably more kinder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Having, you know, been stuck at home and um, things may change. I just hope that uh, people do handle this in as positive and open-minded a way as possible because there are so many possibilities actually that there's an opportunity to change things. Yeah. The only thing that's been, well, I mean, I, I guess it depends on where you are. Like, I don't know how strictly your country or certain parts of your country, like actually shut things down. But like, I know my family, my sister and her family are in New York, and I'm here in Los Angeles, and New York and California got hit really hard. And so our state governors shut everything down. I mean, you couldn't even go to the beach in California Mm. for a stretch of, I forget, maybe like two months, they closed Mm. all the parks. There, I mean, it got to a point where all you could do was go walk around your neighborhood streets. <laughs> so I hope that uh, that people, you know, figured out some creative solutions. But also, I hope now that things are starting to slowly reopen, I hope that people aren't just like running wild out there. And I'm still being pretty cautious because even though I don't currently have an underlying health condition, I have had a health condition. And so I just don't want to put myself at, at too much risk just in case, you know, because I don't know what my immune system is yeah. really doing in there. But, you know, I hope that like all these kids aren't running wild and getting dropped off at the park and climbing <laughs> on all the, you know, the equipment and playing and spreading all their germs because then I'm like, oh, it's spreading the kid cooties. I know. <laughs> I'm like, just don't shut us down again. We just, we're coming out of it. Let us keep going. <laughs> Here, things are a little different in the sense of right from the beginning for uh, more than a month, we were on complete shutdown. Uh So people had to be at home and uh, you could go out to get essentials. But apart from that, there was no walking around in your neighborhood or anything allowed. Like you you had to just stay home. And uh, that makes sense. I'm so glad they actually put that rule for a while, at least 
so for the people who could afford to stay home and are privileged enough to do so it's better that they were forced to do so mm-hmm. because we you know our population is huge yes. you know so <laughs> you can imagine if everybody comes out uh, it's going to be chaos and the government also had to prepare itself right to deal with the rising numbers later uh-huh. but then slowly after a month or so slowly they relaxed a few rules with the lockdown and then now things are relaxed a lot more they are only blocking down a few pockets where the numbers are uh, huge like within the cities but unfortunately our numbers are going up a lot obviously because like you said you know when the lockdown got relaxed people are like yeah covid is over and they can get yeah. out to the streets i know so it's kind of hard to hard to educate people hard to make everybody understand at this kind of a population level I'm also hoping there isn't a second lockdown but let's see how how it goes you know? <laughs> Yeah let's see I mean uh here it's it's been interesting I'm waiting I'm actually like I've got a, an internal countdown going because I don't know how much of our country's problems show up in your news but there's been a lot of mm-hmm. protests like huge like thousands of people gathering to protest a couple of like you know riots if you will about like police brutality against black people and it's almost like everyone forgot about the virus they just forgot about it they're like oh well now we have to go out and march and no one's wearing masks there's like thousands of yeah. people and they just don't care anymore and that stuff started maybe like well at this point it might be 3 weeks ago but that all these you know cities that have had major protests are having their numbers skyrocket and i'm like oh god I hope that we're not next because it was pretty bad around Los Angeles and like the the very first day of big protests here happened literally in my backyard. I live really close to a really oh. popular park and outdoor shopping center and like it's on the corner of these two major streets in LA and literally the protest was like in my backyard and my boyfriend and I were out for a walk and we accident we didn't even know it was happening and we were like why is there so much car traffic there haven't been this many people out and we stumbled like closer to the park and we stumbled upon this massive protest we stayed across the street and we were immediately like turn <laughs> get out of here go back into the neighborhood like what are these people doing but we ended up leaving and going to spend that night with friends that live farther maybe like an hour mm-hmm. away that we know have been quarantined and safe and we weren't like worried about our health or anything and we're watching the news from their house and the peaceful protest turned into insane riots and we're watching the like helicopter overlooking the situation on the news and they were setting police cars on fire and looting the stores and from the helicopter view you can see where i live and you can see my boyfriend's poor car on the street like a block away from cars being set on fire and he's like oh no what's going to happen to my car so it was like crazy so part of me was like why are they like why are people turning it this way this is so terrible and the other part of me is like they're all going to get the virus and die <laughs> like it's like what's what was scarier like the riot or or the fact that nobody's wearing a mask and nobody cares and everyone's just out there together mm-hmm. we're just like what are these people doing <laughs> You know I guess it's also because of it's just so much injustice and plus the being cooped up for months at home and people losing jobs there's so many things added up right and in the middle of all this something so horrible happened so of course the protests and then 
protests lead to the anger being released in somewhere mm-hmm. and therefore riots and these kind of things so yeah it, it's it's so important that people have some kind of a care like some kind of a, a relief package from the government to begin with so that they at least know that they are safe and yeah. they can stay home and be financially secure not worry about their families and then second have something good to do something interesting and definitely not watch the news because i mean <laughs> that's like the worst thing you oh can do right uh when when the when covid-19 like first hit the united states i swear on my life i would watch the news and i would start coughing and my chest would tighten up and i was mm. like oh my god i have it like i had like just watching the news scared me so much and it it's actually mm-hmm. really funny because there were like two days i had a low fever and i didn't feel well for like a week and a half and i had this cough that lingered and i was like oh my god i have it and i never went and got tested mm-hmm. because i didn't want to that was at the beginning it was before los angeles had set up like drive through testing sites and all that stuff so i was like i don't want to risk going to a hospital or going to a doctor's office where i could like pick it up mm-hmm. if i don't have it so anyway long story short now it's like readily available to get tested and they actually have that antibody test i'm sure you guys have it too so I actually got the antibody test last week and I was certain that it was going to come back positive. Like I was I would have put all my money down in a bet that like I had it whatever. I just wanted to know if it was really it. Yeah, no, it came back negative. It turns out the news just scared me and I had like a regular like seasonal cold. But it's mm-hmm. crazy what watching the news will do to people. Like yeah. I had to there was a, a stretch of weeks that I we just couldn't turn the news on. I was like I don't want to see it anymore because it literally makes my chest tighten and I feel like I can't breathe. Turns out I was just having like, you know, maybe a little anxiety about the situation of the world. But <laughs> I swore I had it and I did not. So now I'm like great. Now I have to worry about having it all over again. Mm. But yeah, you're right. Like people getting worried and being cooped up and not having any certainty about what's going to happen especially people who can't work right now. I don't know about the rest of the states here, but I know California's been really good about the unemployment fund and I just watched on the news yesterday, not the scary news, but like just local news, you know, casual news where they tell you about the weather and stuff. <laughs> they mentioned that the state of California has already given out over 30 billion dollars in unemployment. Wow. Funding mm. for people who aren't working. And obviously like things are still not fully reopened. I mean, even though like some things reopened, like let's let's just use restaurants for example, like restaurants reopened, like you can actually go and sit down at a table in a restaurant now mm-hmm. but they're not paying their entire staff to come in for normal shifts and stuff because they had to minimize the number of tables yeah you know and most of the orders from especially people like me who are still trying to be really cautious like if i'm getting from a restaurant i'm getting takeout or delivery and eating yeah. safely at home mm. for the most part so you know there's still so many people collecting i mean i don't even know where that money's coming from i'm like listen if you guys had 30 billion dollars why didn't you pay the teachers a little bit more yeah i was just going to say that i'm like <laughs> are all the un- unemployment benefit people getting paid more than you jill <laughs> you know because i know te- teachers in the us do not get in the public schools so yeah not paid well it's enough. crazy i mean luckily just because i've been teaching for so long and i have a master's degree and i've taken so many like pardon my language but like stupid online classes that i get awarded like extra salary points for like bumps up my salary like 
fortunately, I do okay. But new teachers, people who it's within their first five years, who Mm. maybe only have like a bachelor's degree from college, they make no money. I'm pretty sure they'd be making more if they were collecting unemployment right now. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Wow. But I will say, Mm. aside from anything, I can't express how fortunate I felt to be a teacher during this time because it, it is literally one of the only professions that wasn't affected yeah. by everything shutting down. I mean, like nothing changed in my health benefits, nothing changed in my salary. Mm. You know, if anything, my life kind of got easier because I, I got to sleep in a little later. Mm. And <laughs> yes, working from home and, and teaching online has been a huge challenge just to figure it all out and try to make sure all the kids are participating, which disclaimer, only like 50% of the kids ever actually participated. Half of them we like never heard from once schools closed. But Mm. I mean, there's, there's something much easier about, you know, sleeping in until 830 when I normally had to be at work by 730 and turning on my computer for an hour to be on zoom and then checking the online classroom on my own time and still getting paid the same. So it's almost like my summer vacation kind of started a little early. Not that I wasn't still working, but just Mm. that it's so much more relaxed Mm. to be at home and not managing, you know, a room full of 20 to 25 rowdy children. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I was like, man, the teachers have it made right now. Like (laughs) doctors and nurses, you know, they're still getting paid their normal salary and they still have all their normal things, but their jobs got scary and crazy. Like I don't envy them at all. And then I feel like that's kind of it. Like teachers and people who work in the medical profession are like the two that never stop. So I feel really for the first time, usually I'm like, yeah, I'm a teacher, blah, blah, blah. Because, <laughs> you know, once you get past like the, the first couple of years of teaching where it's like all new and exciting and you love the children, when you get to my point in this career, you're kind of like, oh my God, I'm only halfway to retirement. When is this going to be done? Like, but you know, I have a new appreciation for it right now. I can imagine. I'm sure there are there were kids in your class who, while they were in class, you're like, I wish I had a mute button for this kid. And now you literally have one on Zoom. Mm-hmm. So you know, like, yeah. oh, let's just mute that kid and continue on with the class. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you though, that one who was always making all the noise. I will not mention her name. Um, <laughs> she. She's like that in class. She's like that on Zoom, but you mute her. And this is the thing is in class, bless her soul. She's the sweetest girl, but she needs a lot of extra help. And like, you have to hold her hand through everything. And she's got a question every three seconds about like, how do I do this? How do I do that? That girl figured out how to work an iPad faster than I've, (laughs) she knows how to unmute herself. She knows how to change the background. She's like at like a, you know, on a, beach one second then she's in a forest another oh, like I'm like I'm like girl if you could be this smart at everything else as quick as quick a learner as you were at figuring out how to work zoom on an iPad mm. I wish like I, I'm just like what did I do wrong with you in the classroom like maybe I should have just handed you an iPad and been like figure it out <laughs> <laughs> and don't talk don't talk to me and figure it out no, I'm just yeah again you know seeing different sides of kids from the home and versus being in school Are there any other stories of kids that you have where, you know, they've been vastly different or they've been surprising? They've done something surprising because they've been at home versus in class. I'm actually so surprised at some of them for just never showing up. Like some of my most enthusiastic, 
happiest, like most excited to learn students. They didn't even show up online once. And like, I don't know how it worked in India or if it even mattered because you guys were on break for most of it. But the schools arranged to give every child an iPad or a Chromebook that didn't have one. They set up like hotspot, you know, they gave out hotspots for Wi-Fi for families that didn't have Wi-Fi access in their homes. Like we literally handed them their online school and still like half of them didn't show up. I'm like, like I have this one student, he is the life of the classroom. He's the kid who, when you're reading a story, he is laughing out loud. Or if it's a, if it has a sad part, he's crying. Like he is so emotionally invested in school. He loves school. Didn't see him one time since we went online. I'm like, what happened to you? Like, where did he go? I sent his mom so many messages. She was like, we're really busy. I'm like, okay. But like your kid lives for this. Like, why isn't he here? So Mm. uh, it's just been a really interesting, interesting time to be a teacher. And Mm. I don't even want to know what it's been like to be a student. Because like, (laughs) I can't even imagine to be a kid doing all this and all the change when we were growing up, uh, there were a lot of riots here due to religious uh, strife. So because of that, we had a curfew and basically a lockdown like this for about 15 days. Uh-huh. And I remember, I, mean, I I have a clear memory of that. And it was like, yeah, holiday. And we were just at home and just playing and enjoying. And it was, it was good. Though it was scary out in the world, we were kind of cushioned from it. The news wasn't the way it is now. It wasn't running all the time. People weren't, you know, just totally obsessed with it. And it was a nice sheltered life. And we didn't have to go through the trauma of it. Though we knew, okay, out in the world, this is happening. And <laughs> there are riots and it's scary. But okay, you as long as you stay home, you're safe. And we were very happy, you know, because it was just holidays for us. But now with the kids, it's a little different because... It's not even like they can just take a holiday and be home and forget about what's happening out in the world because everywhere you turn, you're exposed to this. Yeah. So it's so important for parents also to just not play the news so much and not watch it themselves and, you know, kind of protect. So you can actually create a little safe bubble for your family, right? Where you don't have to expose them to everything. So then this whole lockdown will be a pleasant experience for them to recall when they grow up. Yeah, I I actually said that to them too. I remember the last day, the day that we knew we were closing schools, we knew on a Thursday that, because our our school week is Monday through Friday. And so we knew on actually middle of the day Thursday, they like called each of our classrooms. We have this little like internal phones and they called us and they were like, send your kids to the auditorium right now. And Mm -hmm. we're having a staff meeting in this room, blah, blah, blah. So we were like, oh, and we, you know, we were aware of what was going on in the world. So we got that call and um, we, uh, we sent our kids out and they basically were like, okay, so, and of course in our staff meeting, they weren't honest with us. They were like, just in case schools need to close, we're going to give you guys the rest of the day to plan for some distance learning, blah, 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 blah. So we did that. And the next day, when the kids came back to school, they were back in the classrooms. I looked at all of them and because I knew it, I was like, they wouldn't have pulled our kids away from us and given us four hours to like prepare <laughs> for something that wasn't like happening immediately. Yeah. Because, you know, initially we just sent kids home with a packet of actual like, you know, pen and p- pencil paper, like work and like books and stuff, thinking that the lockdown would be for two weeks because that was the initial plan in California was a two week shutdown. 
anyway, that last day that they came back on Friday and I sat all my kids down and I'm, I, I mean, you know me, I'm none of the listeners here know me, but I am super positive, but I'm also super honest. Like mm-hmm. I don't sugarcoat anything for the kids. We mm-hmm. talked about the virus. We talked about everything. And I looked at them and I was like, they haven't said it yet, but I don't think you're coming back to school on Monday. And they were like, what? And I was like, <laughs> I know but it's for everyone's safety because there's this virus. And I went through the whole thing. Like you guys are young and you, if you get it, you'll be fine. But if you get it and give it to your grandma, she might not be okay. So, you know, I did the whole thing mm. and they looked at me and I was like, it's going to be fine. And then lo and behold, Monday, they didn't come back. And then, you know, we thought it was going to be two weeks. And then parents were like, when are they going back? And then it turned into the rest of the year. And it was, you know, it was just so interesting the way it unfolded for us. But the kids, they handled it pretty well. I feel being super honest and upfront with, you know, as much information, not necessarily like hiding information, but delivering it in a way that they understand. It was like really helpful. (laughs) Because I think some people just try to be like, oh, don't worry, it's just like the flu. And then they like see it here on the news that a million people have died and they're like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) So the next time they get a normal flu, they'll be like, oh my God, am I going to die, right? Because the information clashes. (laughs) I know. So anyway, I had that whole sit down with them and it was so sweet. And I was like, I'll still, I'll be fine. You'll be fine. Stay safe. Don't touch things and touch your face. Like I gave them the whole rundown, wash your hands (laughs) all the time. Yeah, it was just, it was so funny. The whole (laughs) way it shut down and the way the school system tried to be like, just in case we don't come back. I'm like, just in case. I'm like, you people are not fooling anybody. We are not coming back. (laughs) It's so funny you say this because here our government did that. So they're like, oh, we're just going to do a one day lockdown on March. I think it was the 22nd. They're like, we'll just do it. It's just a, what do you say? Like a drill and we'll just do a one day lockdown and uh, we'll do this, blah, blah, blah and all that. And then immediately my husband like, I bet you anything that in a few days, a longer lockdown is going to come. They just want to test what will happen. If people, people are given the lockdown, how exactly are they going to behave? Because nothing like this has happened before. And lo and behold, yeah. you know, in a couple of days, like, yes, for a month, that's it. You are in lockdown. Everybody stay home. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. (laughs) So it's good. It's so nice that you kind of prepared for this in advance and spoke to the children because as a you need that little bit of closure, a little bit of normalcy to be uh, shown to everyone. That feels very nice. And that's what helps. It's not just the kids, even adults too. And, you know, with our restaurant, what we did was, yeah, we also were forced into the lockdown. But the couple of days before the lockdown I was at you know when the trial drill lockdown happened Uh right at that point I was pretty sure that okay this is gonna come up so we preemptively moved all our uh, boys all the guys who work at the restaurant we moved them into the restaurant they all come from different parts of India they are not from here they don't have families here so we have a little apartment where they were staying but that place did not have food we were not sure about the safety and stuff so we're like guys just move into the restaurant live there until the lockdown is over so that you can be safe you know and you'll have food the store is right there filled with food and we can take care of things and that worked out very well because um once the lockdown happened we didn't have to worry about them we didn't have to worry about their safety 
since yeah. we were sitting so far away in our own homes and that worked out well and again they were scared they were watching the news hearing rumors and the worst thing to happen to the world is whatsapp you know whatsapp university the kind of <laughs> nonsense yeah. that people make up and share on there so we had to guide them we had to keep guiding them like see these guys are all 18 to the youngest guy is 18 and then the older ones are maybe 25 26 that's the age group and they're all pretty young so we had to every day initially we started having calls with them video calls so that everyone could see each other we like give us updates what did you eat and this is a rumor don't believe it and you know that's the way and that gave a level of comfort to all of us the connection and you know so yeah. basically like you would have your kids in school these are my kids in <laughs> yeah kind of like teacher student kind of a thing that's amazing that you did that i wonder i mean i don't even know if you know i'm sure you do cuz you've been in contact with them so much but i wonder how creative they got in the kitchen and if they came up with like a bunch of new, new amazing <laughs> recipes i would have been like listen i'm going to lock you in the restaurant get creative expand the i know your menu already has a lot on it but i would have been like tweak a couple things figure it out make some new creations let me know how it goes cuz that's so awesome potentially that's what could have been done but you know how it is right nobody's feeling creative when you're feeling uncertain so that's true for the first at least more than a month uh, there was no creativity done with it is like okay let's see how to survive how to go forward and you know make things work as they were the government in the beginning of uh, this month they said that restaurants can open for dine in but we don't want to risk it we don't want right. to risk exposure and anything so we're still doing takeaways and deliveries uh-huh. and now in the past few weeks we've been creating a little more and you know people have a little more inspiration now to oh, try yeah. new things i saw your okra post oh you you saw the post i love okay. okra i saw that post I, i mean i wrote to you on instagram i was like that looks delicious <laughs> oh that wasn't a restaurant thing though that was just me creating at home <laughs> well you should make it at the restaurant or you should find a way to like make it freeze it and ship mm-hmm. it to the United States so that I can eat it. <laughs> or I'll, or one day I'll make that trip to visit you in India. <laughs> one yes, day. Yes, I would love to host you here. <laughs> I would love to come visit. I just, you know, at this point I can't even go visit my family in another state, but <laughs> one day we will travel. <laughs> <laughs> one day yeah i was telling i i got leslie also onto the onto the podcast i interviewed her uh-huh. a few episodes ago and we were talking about how in the future you know we should do a retreat in india food hills india and all those things so. yes i would love that yeah and it'll be like the least expensive retreat ever because air, you know airline tickets are so cheap <laughs> they will be for a <laughs> long time i mean the airlines are going to take forever to recover from this so as soon as things yeah, are safe we yeah. should get something in the book not just that uh, india in general compared to europe is way cheaper like everything is going to be lot lower priced compared to europe so oh. except for the flight yeah it's going to be twice as much for you to come from there but like you said because the flight tickets are price <laughs> low but otherwise you get you know especially with the conversion with the dollars and the rupee and stuff like that everything is going to be cheaper so yeah we'll have a luxurious retreat at a low price and just enjoy ourselves again <laughs> i can't wait i'm going to keep that in the back of my mind as like my happy place until this whole thing is over <laughs> oh nice <laughs> Jill, uh, it's been so good chatting with you, getting to know about your experience as a teacher through the lockdown and listening yeah. to you about the kids and everything. 
I'd like to end by telling everybody that, you know, on our trip, when we were on the foothills retreat, there was this one day where all of us hiked a lot more, walked a lot more than we had expected. And it was a lot of unexpected hiking and walking and, and fear, a lot of unexpected fear. Don't forget the being scared for our lives part. <laughs> okay, go on. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. You were the person who put that positive thought in my mind. You said, you know what? Two things that you said. One was like, you do a lot of exercising and fitness activities and still you found it tiring. So for someone like me who doesn't have the habit of that to actually make it this far is a big deal. Yeah. You encouraged me when that way. And you also said, no matter what happens in your life going forward, whenever you're in a difficult situation, think of this moment and you'll be like, oh, if I did that, I can do anything. <laughs> yeah. If I survived the like eight miles on the path of the gods, I can do anything. <laughs> I don't even know how many miles that was, but it was a lot. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, you know, whenever you're going through something hard in life, I mean, anyone going through whatever is hard for them in the moment, it feels impossible. And when it's over, it's almost like you just forget about how hard it was because it's over and you just move on. But then when you're faced with something new that's difficult, you're like, oh, this is so awful. But it's like, if you can just think back to like the last time you felt that way and remember that like you got through it and you were fine, even though it like, mm -hmm. pardon my language, but it sucked in the moment. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> but I pulled through and I'm fine. Then, you know, you can do anything. You were a rock star that day. I mean, Aww. like you just said, I, first of all, like, I also don't do well with heights. Like, I'm not afraid of heights necessarily, but I am afraid when we're walking on like a narrow path and your two options are like a straight cliff wall going up to your right <laughs> and a straight cliff going down to your left. So like, <laughs> I was struggling so much with that on top of like, it was such a long hike. You know, there were parts that were flat, which were lovely, but they were scary for me. And then there were I'll never forget that one part where we had to climb the rocks going up. And I was just like, no, this is so bad. Like, this is hard and scary. And uh, the fact that it was hard and scary for me, I was just like, girl, you are my hero. Because I don't know, because you kept saying, like, I don't exercise like this usually. And I was like, well, you're doing it. So you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I do exercise usually. And this is like a hard thing for me to do today. So you were amazing. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Jill. That uh, means a lot. And even at that moment, it meant a lot. And you <laughs> were one of the people, you and Ali, both of you stayed back with me while the others went ahead and, uh, you know, helped me make the rest of the climb up to the restaurant finally. <laughs> <laughs> that was the part that got to us, right? Like it wasn't actually the path of the gods because we thought we were over done with the hike after that. But the evening surprise hike that came up and the climb. Oh my God, I blocked that part out. I know. That's the place where you were there and you were saying this. You're like, you did this, you can do anything. I'm sitting there on the staircase, like crying. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And you're like, yeah. you did this, girl. You can do anything, you're you know? Right. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, because we couldn't find that restaurant. And Ali and I went, remember we went ahead and we were like, we got up to the, the stairs and then it's like, which way do we go now that it splits? And we were like, okay, let's wait here for everybody. And then we waited and then you caught up. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, it was a, that was a lot because everything I just described with that path of the gods, like, I mean, this was all the same day. Like mm -hmm. our bodies had nothing. 
I think part of the reason why you were upset is because like you were so exhausted. You had like nothing left. You were like, my my muscles don't want to do it. My brain doesn't want to do it. Emotionally, I just want to give up. (laughs) But then that food was amazing at the end. And then I'll never forget we were leaving and you, you made it very clear. You're like, we are getting a taxi to take us home. You were like, we are not walking back down. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part was that so when when we slowed down and uh, on the hike to the restaurant, when I sat down, I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. And uh, Leslie and the rest of them, the five of them, they're like, you know, we'll go ahead because the reservations are there and we don't want to lose the table, right? Uh-huh. So let's keep going and you join us whenever you can. And everybody was very sweet. And uh, Ella even took my bag to reduce my burden you know she's like Uh let me carry your bag and then you me and Ali we walked we got lost then we asked for directions and we reached the restaurant no one was there and (laughs) we had taken a wrong turn and gone further up and walked a lot more and we like Uh thank goodness we took that little break (laughs) I know I'll never forget sitting there the three of us at that big table for eight and just mm-hmm. when we like just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and then we finally turn and look and they're coming down the street and they all <laughs> had this look on their faces of just complete frustration. They were like, God, we went the wrong way for like an hour. <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. And then by yeah. then, like everything was good. We'd been seated. We had water. I think they had started pouring wine and you were just like, oh, well, this is lovely. And they were like grouchy. <laughs> yeah. The place was beautiful. The view was beautiful. We had taken pictures in the light and you know, all yeah. that. So it was so good. And then Ali and I like, the food better be good. The dessert better be good. Otherwise, we're going to go and cut the chef, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the best dessert I've ever had in my life. Yes. That was so good. Oh, God. The white chocolate truffle thingy, vegan. I mean, so well they pulled it off. So beautiful. So beautiful. (laughs) It was so so pretty. I didn't want to eat it. I didn't want to like ruin Mm. the beautiful plate. But then, you know, Mm -hmm. you just ruin it because it tasted so good. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because it was the most difficult day through the whole trip. But it's also the most memorable one. And there's so much to reminisce about from that day because of all this that we went through and like you know you always remember it and this is something that over the years it'll always keep coming back and particularly our advice Jill I still follow it when things are going terrible and if things are hard and I'm like I did that so you know this is not a big deal I can do it (laughs) you're like I hiked up a mountain for like an hour to get to a restaurant and after I'd already hiked like eight miles for five hours on a cliffside that I could have died on so nothing else seems hard anymore (laughs) nothing seems hard it's funny that you you were talking about the heights because I'm not afraid of heights at all like I'll go to the very edge and whatnot but I did not know that you were afraid of heights and you know, that is so cool that you made it through. And I didn't even realize it until you're telling me now that you were afraid through the time to go through the height. So, you know, you're kind of kick ass. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, the whole time. I mean, Allison knew Mm -hmm. that I was super uncomfortable. But I mean, Leslie told us about it in advance. She gave us a little preview of what it would be like. But if she had told us, like if she had described to me the portions of the hike and how narrow the path was going to be and how steep Mm. the cliff immediately to your left would be, I probably Mm would have just because of my own fear, I probably would have been like, you girls have a great time. I'll meet you in Positano. But because Mm. she didn't tell us like all the information, 
once you're there, what are you going to do? You know, like you can't be like, I give up. I'm going to turn back. I mean, there was like a mountain goat. I was like, well, this is the only help I have as a goat. Like I got to keep going. (laughs) So (laughs) whether or not you know it, all of you girls helped me because I wasn't being outwardly, Mm -hmm. I I wasn't sharing my internal anxiety, but I mean, it was so scary for me. I was getting dizzy just from the, you know, like the panic inside I was having, like vertigo spells. Oh, wow. You just ensured. I know every picture of us that you'll look at, it's me like hugging the side of the path that had like the wall, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> even when like someone else, like I remember there was this one part where Corianne went to like stand on a rock that was like the last rock before the drop. And she was like standing there posing for a picture and it was an amazing picture. But watching her do that, I almost lost it because I was just like, what if you fall? Like, it was so scary for me. Mm -hmm. So just like I helped (laughs) you get to the restaurant, you helped me because I was, you know, physically that I was able to do it. But mentally, I was a wreck that whole time. Oh, wow. I just hide it well. (laughs) You did hide it well. I just keep a smile on my face. And I kept looking toward the safety instead of the cliff. Everyone was like, look at this view. And I was like, no, don't want to look that way. Can't look down. (laughs) I I can't even, I still, you know, I need to digest this fact because uh, you were smiling, you were happy, you were encouraging the whole time after going through this on your own. I can't even believe it. And that's, that's pretty amazing (laughs) of you to do that. And I can imagine now why those parents are like giving you Starbucks cards and saying thank you because I can just picture what you're going to be like with the children and the way you show them the right way with the smile without showing any kind of annoyance or difficulty when you go through it and you must handle them so well so I can just imagine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm just (laughs) kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, every parent, it's so funny because every parent when we did our farewell Zoom to say, you know, let all the kids have a moment to say goodbye to their friends for the summer and whatever. And the parents are always on with their kids, you know, trying to steal the show. And a lot of parents were like, this was our favorite year of school, blah, 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 blah. And I have prior students. I mean, I have students that have graduated high school and are in college now who like try to email me or Instagram or Facebook me. And they're always like, you are my favorite teacher ever. So you know, it's nice to hear. I'm sure I'm not the best teacher in the world. There are probably far better teachers than me. But I feel like um, I, I get along well with the kids. And I hope I mean, it seems like they like me. So that's so sweet. That's lovely. And I can I have no difficulty believing that at all. Like <laughs> knowing you having oh. met you even for those short that one week, you are kind and you are brave and you are encouraging and and you're so much fun on top of all of that. Well, thank you. Fun is my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, Jill. So thank you so much. And uh, can you tell everyone how they can connect with you if they want to, you know, just follow you or talk to you or anything like that? Sure. I know this is supposed to be quick, but I am so I'm trying now with quarantine to get really into social media Mm -hmm. because I'm usually not so I've gotten better at it, but I don't even know. Okay, so I I had to look at my own Instagram to know what my Instagram (laughs) name is. That's how ridiculous I am. I'm like not miss social media, but I'm working on it. So um, yeah, my Instagram is Jill C. Tomback. So it's my first name, the letter C, and then my last name. And on Facebook, I think it's just Jill Tomback. So yeah, if anybody, you know, wants to reach out with anything, you can 
request me with your friend, send me a message, anything like that. I do have a Twitter, but I don't know how it works. So I wouldn't even bother <laughs> sharing that because honestly, like the app on my phone, it keeps telling me that my password's been breached and I don't know how to reset it. I'm like, I'm very tech savvy, but like not social media mm. savvy. So <laughs> I remember when uh, after the trip, even with the Instagram, you took the longest time. You're like, I have to first figure out how to log in. And then after that, you know, <laughs> we can connect yeah. and all that. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's posting these crazy stories with little like, you know, things popping up and lights flashing and filters. And I'm like, how did you do that music playing? I was that's where I learned how to add music to mm-hmm. my stories was sitting at the villa at the table outside I was like that's how you do it cool <laughs> like I didn't know anything about that. yeah Ali and Leslie are pros in this right so they did teach us quite a bit you know they even are. those of us who were already fairly active got to learn quite a bit from them yeah I did so many stories so I'm actually currently just resharing the stories as the memories from last year like oh last year Aww. I was doing this last year we were doing that and okay I'm gonna steal your hard work of your stories and just repost them on mine <laughs> yes go ahead go ahead so it's all know. about sharing memories right yeah because <laughs> I don't know how to create it that well still I try my best but your version is going to be way better than what I could make so I'm just gonna go ahead and keep posting <laughs> yours on mine <laughs> thank you so much Awesome. So uh, to everybody, I'm going to put uh, Jill's links in the show notes. And uh, just to make it more clear, her Instagram, the Jill C. Tombak, I'll spell it for you. It is J-I-L-L-C-T-O-M-B-A-C-K. You can connect with Jill. And uh, it's been great chatting with you yeah. and uh, looking forward to talking to you again. I soon. know, I miss your voice. <laughs> no. <laughs> now you ha- you're on a podcast with me, so you can listen to both our voices together yeah. and the laughing, the giggles. I remember you saying you liked listening to my giggling. Your laughter is so contagious. <laughs> it's like the best laugh ever. <laughs> Thank you, Jill. Thank you so much. All right. Bye okay, then. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of The Feel Good Factor, rate, review and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform, especially Apple Podcasts. If you don't have an iPhone, please leave a review on podchaser.com. You can find my podcast there by going to podchaser.com slash veganosaurus. If you'd like to be notified about the upcoming episodes of The Feel Good Factor, Subscribe to my mailing list on my website, veganosaurus.com. V-E-G-A-N-O-S-A-U-R-U-S dot com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Feel Good Factor. I'm Susmita Veganosaurus and I'm looking forward to talking to you again very soon. Bye!